Today I'll be reading 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. In Amman, Jordan, the GLS is helping to equip and train leaders as they and their churches care for thousands of refugees fleeing conflict. A man named Haitham is the pastor of one of these communities providing hope. We have 14,000 families. We take care of them during the uh, crisis, try to give them uh, hope. They are part of our family. He introduced us to Carlos, a Christian from Iraq. When ISIS arrived in Mosul, they stormed his house. They beat and abducted him. ISIS, they tell him, you have two options. First, if you are transferred to be ISIS, and second uh, option, you will be in front of the court, and the court will judge you to be killed. So he said, I can't change. If you want to kill me, kill me. I will not change my religion or change my faith. He blamed God. He said, God, uh, kill me. I don't want to be uh, live again. I don't want this life. So he's really under big depression in this moment. Somehow, ISIS said we will release six Christians, and he's one of them. And he said, when they leave me, I try to walk, I can't. And when I wake up, I wake up in the hospital. We didn't want him to feel alone. God gave him a new hope, a new life. Everybody take care of him, and everybody try to encourage him, give him hope. Because of the inspiration of the GLS, Python is leaving a thread of influence that stretches across the globe. His influence has changed Carlos' life. It has spurred on a movement of caring for refugees, and it has inspired the planting of churches all over the world. The Middle East is changing, and great leadership is critical for the future. Hytham believes the summit helps him get better as a leader each year, and he isn't alone. To be in this atmosphere together, it is something. When we see the testimonies we hear today, it's encouraging us. The Lord was speaking to my heart. I couldn't help my tears. I believe the whole Middle East immediately, because one church, one single church, cannot change the world. But the body of Christ together, we can make a big difference. Every leader wants to be better. I want to be better. And it's give us also the encouragement and that yeah, we are not alone. We need it. Leaders in the Middle East need hope, encouragement, and training. Everything the GLS provides. In the midst of adversity, God is on the move in the region, and countless people have found renewed faith. Two of them, they said, thanks God about ISIS. Because before in Mosul, we are so powerful. The Lord, they took everything from us, but they're not able to take from us Jesus. A symbol that was once meant for shame and death to these refugees has become a symbol of pride, of life, and of hope.
Good morning, church. Please open your Bibles to John chapter 15, where Jesus is about to be connected to a symbol himself that is now a symbol of death. It was then and it also is now. I got to be honest, I have to remind myself as we read the words of the text we're about to dive into that these were words spoken from the lips of a dead man walking. Quite honestly, this is a text I would have loved to have passed on this morning, especially from this series of John that we're calling Life Matters. But the Spirit kept nudging me that this is a part of our lives as Christians that matters. I would have loved to have just moved on to chapter 16. Nobody will notice. Nobody will mind. Just, Jimmy, go ahead and dive in and talk about the one person Jesus spoke of more than any other in his last hours on earth, the Holy Spirit. But I couldn't get past this text. Because as Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure, he feels compelled to warn them that this presence of the Holy Spirit that's coming, this comforter, this advocate, this friend, is not going to mean the absence of suffering. And it is not going to mean even the absence of death. It wouldn't for Jesus, it wouldn't for them, and it will not for us, church. Hear the word of the Lord. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own, but as it is, you do not belong to the world. But I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Remember when I told you a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. Because they don't know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they wouldn't be guilty of sin. However, they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. And if I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would be guilty of sin. But as it is, they have seen. And yet, they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what's written in the law. They hated me without reason. When the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. But you also must testify. For you've been with me from the beginning. Let's pray, church. Father, we join with Hosanna Lutheran this morning. And those who are attempting to follow you and your son, who are attempting to allow your spirit to fill their lives, lead us wherever you need for us to go, even if it means that we suffer, even if it means that we are hated, even if it means we too must die. We're trying to say those words and mean them, Lord. Spirit, help us. Because we believe that what you have done for us, Jesus, Deserves everything that we could ever offer you, even if it means to suffer for you. When we say this in Christ's name and everyone who believes that said. Writer Neil Postman, I think, nailed it when he said, I'm not mistaken in saying that Christianity is a demanding and serious religion. But when it's delivered as easy and amusing, that's another kind of religion altogether.
Well, what we just read is a text from the life account of Jesus from John, one of his best friends and one of his apostles. is anything but easy, and it's certainly not amusing. I'll say it again. I am not excited at all about what Jesus has to say to this group of disciples in this text and also to this group of disciples here. But I am grateful because if there is suffering to be involved in any form of my life, I'd like to kind of know ahead of time if it was coming. And a fair question, I think, at this point would be, well, did the disciples suffer just like Jesus said that they would? And here's what history tells us. All of them, all of them suffered for their faith. Matthew was killed in Ethiopia by a sword. Peter was crucified upside down on a cross, reportedly because he told his tormentors that he felt unworthy to die in the same way that his Lord had died. James was thrown over 100 feet off the temple to the floor. And when they discovered that he survived the fall, his enemies beat him to death. James, the son of Zebedee, was beheaded in Jerusalem. Bartholomew was whipped to death. Andrew was crucified. Thomas was stabbed to death. Other men we know in the Bible suffered similar fates because even while Jesus was alive, John the Baptist was beheaded. Stephen was stoned. And if Paul wasn't murdered for his faith, and we're not sure, he certainly didn't live a life of ease for the gospel. He was beaten three times with rods, nearly to death stoned nearly to death and left for dead and in prison for years at a time all because of his allegiance to Jesus. The Apostle John whose writings that we're reading this morning the, the words and again the eyewitness live account of Christ's life supposedly was dipped in hot oil alive but he lived through it only to be banished to the Isle of Patmos where he died an old man. So absolutely Jesus' followers indeed suffered for their faith but maybe some of you are thinking, well, did it end, though, with the, the biblical times, with Bible times? And the answer, no. Absolutely no. Because it was just the beginning. All through the centuries from then until today, men and women have given their lives for the name of Jesus Christ. Polycarp, John Wycliffe, John Hess, William Tyndall, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Jim Elliott, and his four compadres are just a few of the more well-known men who have died for their faith. The Voice of the Martyrs recently reported that a 10-year-old Filipino girl was beaten to death by her father after she decided to become a Christian. In August, three ministers were murdered in Colombia, and two entire predominantly Christian villages were burned to the ground because of their faith. In Bangladesh, two young men received death threats that if they didn't stop showing the Jesus film, they would die. The Jesus film is a movie based on the, the gospel of Luke, word for word. While serving with the health organization, Leopold Maradi, 21 years old, and Tapan Kumar Roy, 27, chose instead to keep showing the film. Two weeks after those threats, in the early hours of July 27th, the accusers entered Marandi and Tapan's house, and they put them to death with machetes. Just before attacking the men, the murderers padlocked nearby neighbors' doors beforehand, preventing them from coming to the men's rescue when they knew they would hear their screams. No. The torture and the deaths of those who love and follow Jesus has not stopped. But who will forever forget the images of less than three years ago? 
when 21 Egyptian Christians were lined up on a beach and beheaded for their faith in Jesus Christ. Those who were their family members confirmed that every one of the 21 that were a part of that video, what you're seeing is a still shot from one of those videos, were deeply devoted followers of Christ. And every one of them lost their heads moments later. No, the assaults on Christians hasn't stopped. Some may be asking, well, what about in America? <laughs> to be honest, it's getting progressively worse. Because in many cases in our country, you can stand up for or you can kneel for just about anything that you believe. So as long as you don't try to stand up for or kneel for Jesus. A third grader in Illinois is told she can't sing God Bless the USA during a school talent show because the superintendent said it was illegal to do so. A first grader in North Carolina is told that on a particular day that if they brought their favorite book to class, then, then they could read it to the class. But then one young lady brought hers and could not have it read because it was titled, I Love Jesus. A secretary in Georgia was told that she couldn't study her Bible on her breaks. A theme park worker in Florida was told it was against federal law by her company to mention the name of Jesus anywhere in the park. And who can forget on April 9th of 1999 when Casey Bernal, a junior at Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado, was just being a typical teenager, having a typical day, when a classmate aimed a gun at her and asked if she believed in God. And confronted with confessing either, yes, she believed in God and dying, or no, she didn't believe in God and living, Casey Bernal chose not to be ashamed of her faith in her father, and she said yes and was killed immediately. And we were stunned as a nation that someone on our turf would be shot and killed because of their faith in Christ. Who knows how much of an impact her boldness had on some young adults in a similar situation when it came up in Umpaqua Community College. When in 2015, on a cool October morning, the same life or death question was asked by an anti-Christian gunman as he stormed into the campus area and entered a classroom where eyewitnesses, eyewitness Courtney Moore said students were told to get on the ground and one by one they were asked to stand and they were asked whether or not they were a Christian. If they said yes, they were shot in the head immediately. If they said no, they were shot in the leg. The reaction of the media and then President Obama was to publicize the issue to talk about gun control in America. What was not addressed much, if at all, was the larger issue of Christians being singled out and murdered for their faith in this country. And I could go on. Robert Rule, president of the Faith and Reason Institute in Washington, D.C., writes, The secular West has been looking the other way for a very, very long time in regards to Christian martyrdom. Even the average church-going Christian is not likely to know that 45.5 million of the estimated 70 million Christians who died, in, died for Christ did so in just this last century. For this reason, scholars refer to the past century as one of the darkest periods of martyrdom since the birth of Christianity. And none of that should surprise us. Because Paul warned such persecution for our allegiance to Christ would come. In 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12 he says, Indeed, notice the next word, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
Paul says, don't be surprised when persecution comes. Expect it. Well, that'd be difficult enough until Jesus comes along in his ministry at the very beginning of his ministry and says, no, don't just expect it. You rejoice over it. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, he said. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Oh, brothers, you make every effort to allow the light of Christ to flow through you and into a dark world. I assure you that some inside the church and some outside the church most certainly will chastise But Jesus assures you heaven celebrates with you. Whether that involves trying to set free teens enslaved to prostitution or trying to speak your heart in a science class where you see more logic and love and the theory of creationism than you do in Darwinism and you speak out about it. And when you're attacked for that, take courage. God's applauding you for it. Whether it involves bringing light to the injustices of the powerful in our country or helping the penniless and the powerless find some justice, you will be attacked for that. But God's assuring us heaven is applauding you for that. No, we're not insulated from threats. But neither are we to be intimidated either. Hear the words of Jesus. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. And so, we won't. We refuse to be cowardly. But with Jesus Christ as our helper, we will do our best to be people of courage. Amen? We'll do our best because it's never easy. We will not be blind or be bewildered by the evil in the world, but we're not going to back down from it either. I've got to hit the pause button here. <laughs> because none of this means that we ever go looking for trouble. Ever. Paul says, as much as it's possible with you, you live at peace with everybody. None of us are asked by Jesus to go looking for a fuss, but we don't turn away from them when they come. When I was a young Christian in college, I momentarily attended a church that prided itself for being in a fuss with somebody about something, somewhere. I mean, the preaching was about fussing, and the classes were about fussing, and why we should, and the Bible studies were about fussing. I had about all the fussing in church I think I could ever stand. There just seemed to be this air in the whole body that was just critical and judgmental over and above compassion and love for the lost. All that energy was turned toward those who were trying to follow Christ but not doing quite the job we thought they should as far as Scripture goes. I didn't understand that. And I certainly didn't stay within it very long because Jesus calls us to be ministers of good news, not the grapes of wrath. And so, no, conflict is going to come often enough without us looking for it. And the question deserves to be asked, though, but why? Why in the world would there be those who would want to, to see Christians tortured or killed or even shamed or threatened in any way? Why would they want to do that? I mean, who wouldn't want a neighbor next door who didn't covet his wife or anything that he owned? 
but seemed to be glad that he was blessed with it. Who in the world wouldn't want a neighbor besides Homer Simpson, who was honest and full of integrity? Who in the world wouldn't want a neighbor who seemed to go out of his way to check on you and offer continually his help and his belongings? Who wouldn't want a neighbor who would treat your kids with love and respect even when they were guilty of child nuisances like balls in the yard and breaking a hedge while scoring a touchdown? Grant. The answer is far from simple, I promise you that. But the reality is, not just in this country, but across the globe, if you hold any ultimate truths, any ultimate values, you are in danger of being ridiculed at best and attacked at worst. Some of you right now are experiencing the challenge of this today over your beliefs that Scripture asks us to have as we define what a marriage is. What Scripture asks us to define as pure, godly, sexual values. What Scripture asks us to find as the way to the Father. When Jesus says, it is only through me. In our culture of relativism, you are going to be challenged and possibly chastised for any of those ultimate values and beliefs. I promise you. And to be honest, most likely the persecution is going to come not from some gun pointed at any of us, but most likely it's going to come from an Instagram post or a tweet that's aimed at your heart. The threat for most of us is not that we're going to be killed, but that we'll be alienated or cut off, listen to me, from our friends. That's where most of our persecution is going to come. And you know what? This preacher understands that's like a death. To have your friends cut you off because of something you deeply, deeply believe about Jesus. Do you know what? At times your allegiance to the values of Jesus and the mission of Jesus are going to cost you some friends. They just are. And you will have to choose the favor of your friends over the favor of your Savior. And God's hoping you choose him. When you embrace those of a different nationality or color of their skin or religious background while others want you to shun them. God says, please choose me over your friendship with them. When you refuse to smoke a joint when everybody else is indulging, that naturally puts you in a bad light and puts them in a bad mood, only to be taken out on you. Sometimes with shame, sometimes with alienation, sometimes with both. And God says, please choose me over those kinds of friends. When you choose a path for your kids in regards to cell phone use, in regards to dating, in regards to modesty with their dress. If that's distinctly different from the culture around you, I promise you, you will even have Christian friends, we've experienced this, who are at odds with you. And you may have to choose to align your values with Jesus or align your values with your peers. And Scripture is saying, please choose the Father. You'll be eternally grateful you did. John writes, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world. But I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world has a beef with you sometimes. That's why the world shames you sometimes. That's why the world hates you sometimes. And it happened. It happened to Jesus. It happened to his disciples. It's happened for centuries to all disciples who have tried to align themselves with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's why Jesus goes on to say, Remember, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they obeyed my teaching, they will also obey yours, though. 
They'll treat you this way because of my name and because they don't know the one who sent me. And I'll be the first to say that is easy to amen in here. It's easy to preach in here. But man, is it hard to live out there. And sometimes even before we walk out the door to out there. So when your choices cause conflict with those who do not share your values or your beliefs in Christ, can I say it on behalf of God? You stand anyway. Stand anyway. Do what he's called us to do. All the while asking for grace and understanding from any of my friends, any of my fellow anybody's. But be ready for the ungrace. Be ready for the misunderstanding that's going to come when our choices are different. Interestingly, the they in this text that we just finished up in John with, they come from Jesus' own religious tribe. Most of whom saw themselves as walking with God. And yet Jesus makes this clear. They don't know the first thing about him. Now I want to warn you. When those values butt heads, when those values come in conflict, man, it can get ugly. It can. And we're seeing it happen with increased frequency, even among believers now, as opinions grow deeper and deeper in regard to what biblically a marriage is all about. And I'll say it again, in what biblically is honorable and blessed sexuality. Those are two hot items in our country right now and in the body of Christ. And brother, I'm asking you, be prepared to be as bold as a lion about what you believe about those matters. But also be prepared to speak it and to live it as meekly as a lamb. Because that's who Jesus is, the one that we follow, the Lion of Judah and the slain Lamb of God. Here's some specifics very quickly that I think will help you put on your kingdom Kevlar for the persecution that's going to be aimed at you. Number one, pray constantly. Start there always, not just for your protection, but especially for those in the global church all over this globe. Especially for those who are on the front lines of countries like North Korea and India and China and dozens more where thousands of Christians, you heard me, thousands of Christians every day are breaking the law simply by clinging to the name of Christ. Please pray that Jesus would deliver them from as much harm as possible as well as to constantly remind them that he is with them no matter what. And that the Holy Spirit will comfort them in their brief moments of trial, but they will be remembered. They will be applauded all through eternity for the, the sacrifices they made. Number two, pray constantly, but also promote martyr awareness in your family. Not just in a church or a Bible study. I'm encouraging you, do this in your families. Subscribe to resources such as the Voice of the Martyrs free newsletter. Learn more about the present-day persecution of believers. Please make room in your heart for those brothers and sisters who are making the ultimate sacrifice for the sake of Christ. Now I've got to be the first to confess, most days of my week, I'm almost numb in this safe environment of a small town. I'm numb to the dangers that so many, not just in the world, but right here in our country, are facing to follow Christ. Promote martyr awareness in your family. Number three, prioritize some of your tithes, some of your offerings. Set aside, please, some of the money you would normally spend on pleasures for the hug project that Chris Fikes and their family are trying to, to uplift and get us to be involved with. The, the Live Beyond Project, the International Justice Mission Team, all of those are ministries that specifically try to rescue both Christians and non-Christians from very dangerous situations. 
Please support missionaries of all kinds who are taking the gospel to places where it's never been heard before. You hear about it all the time. There's still millions who have never heard about it once. And then here's the last thing. Some of you prepare to go. Some of you prepare to go. Please be open to the call of God as he asks you to join others to give up your home and your family and your safety to take the gospel to those who've never heard it before. You may not come back. It's true. But you will never lose your reward. Before his premature death, Jim Elliott, who was himself a martyr, spoke some words that I think may be some of the top ten single pieces of truth any Christian has uttered since Christ. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Never, never is it foolish to give what you cannot keep to hold on to what you cannot lose. Now, I don't know what makes that list for you. I don't. The favor of men can be lost in a moment. Favor of God. Now, that lasts a lifetime. No, that lasts forever. Amen? Father, we come to you this morning, and our hearts are a little heavy. It's a heavy message. It's a sobering message, but it's a truth. And we want to prepare ourselves by just hearing it first. But, but more than that, we want your spirit to equip us with this kingdom Kevlar of the Holy Spirit, of our brothers and sisters, of knowing that truth is on our side to stand for you and your values and your mission. Please, prepare us to go. Right here in Kerrville, prepare us to speak up and speak out for what is light in the darkness of some really clouded thinking, some really dark thinking that's invading our country. Please, Father, help us to do that, though, with boldness and the combination of lamb meekness. But most of all, help us live it. Not just shout about it, not just sing about it, but live it like you did. And we ask us humbly in Christ's name and everyone said. Let's remember the battle belongs to the Lord. Let's stand, let's sing.